Hello, everyone, and welcome to Plumescast. My name is Seth, aka Phantasma Plumes, and I'm coming to you pre-recorded from the Observatorium. As always, I thank you for tuning in today. Alright, so before I get started in here today, first off, I want to say that this is a live recording done in front of my wonderful Twitch audience. In fact, we already have our first question. Can't you just cut that bit out from Chozo, pre-recorded, or Tussie Maya himself? And unfortunately, no, Chozo, I can't, because I do these all in a single take. So it's both a very dangerous game <laughs> and a fun one, too, because I like having it be one single take because it gives me like both the freedom of you know keeping a narrative going but it also kind of keeps it more legitimate too you know where it's like I feel as though at the end of the day whenever somebody listens to a podcast of mine it feels like a conversation between friends so you might hear like a couple of things off here and there but at the end of the day that's how conversations really flow they're not pre-recorded masterpieces they're you know, just natural speaking, because I want to show my most authentic self and be as genuine as I can be, especially when it comes to topics like today's, where we're talking about cybersecurity. And um, before I really get into that, though, some of the noises and stuff that I'm talking about, you might hear from the sweet little girl that's sitting in my lap. That's all right. I have uh, the Fox Wife sister's dog, Penny, with me today. She has been sitting in my lap for the past 15, 20 minutes. This dog is the sweetest fucking dog in the world. I don't know what kind of breed she is, but she genuinely is a really sweet dog. She's good to walk. She, you know, doesn't bark or anything like that. She's just chill. You know, she can be wild when she wants to be, but for the most part, she's been incredibly chill. We left her in the office here last night with the fan running, her food and her water, and we came in and the office was, like, perfectly fine. She slept in uh, in one of our beanbag chairs, actually. But I also want to say the reason why I have this beautiful little pup with me and the reason why you might hear, you know, her yawn and me scratching at her, so on and so forth, is because the fox wife sister... As of 7.47 this morning, is a mother. Marina Hali, welcome to the world. I have not had the chance to meet you yet, but I've seen photos, and she is absolutely fucking adorable. But, that said, I am incredibly excited to do today's podcast. Poggers, welcome, Jello. Ben, where have you been, sir? It's been a whole, like, what, how long have we been streaming for? You know, podcast doesn't really need to know all this, but we have been streaming for 36 minutes-ish. No, 42 minutes. And Jello's just showing up. Man, you better be hanging out through all the shenanigans, because that's right. Also, this is incredibly great to say, because last time I didn't get a chance to say this in podcast, but I am currently being sponsored by War Thunder. And if you haven't heard of War Thunder, it's a really fun game. It's free to play. It's on most consoles and on PC, where you get to take place in naval, air, and uh, land battles. Well, I guess terrain. I don't know. Tank battles. It's fun. I've been having fun with it. Uh, There's a number of download links out there that accredit me. And if you guys want to hang out and play with me later on, way to call me out like that, dick. Well, you know, you know, I missed you. Anyway, Penny's just jumping off my lap. Ooh, she was making a war. 
Oh, man, it's a beautiful day outside. How am I supposed to listen to this later? Well, you know, you listen to it later, and then you remember that you were late. (laughs) And then when I listen to it later, I remember that you were late, and I grill you about it on Monday. It's easy. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, and feel the regret of my actions on my show. We can play in silence. What do you mean? (laughs) This game is hilarious. Anyway, but, um, as we were saying, I am super excited to be here. Oh, no, I was talking about War Thunder. War Thunder's the free-to-play game. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we're gonna be playing it later tonight, um, for, like, the last half a stream. So if you want to hang out for that and be a part of that, listen to me scream as I get shot out of the air. You know, it's, it's a fun time, dude. And, like, the funny part is... Oh, that's still active? Oh, no. Okay, for for everybody that's listened to the podcast, now I have to... <laughs> now I have to regret my choices of past Seth. But apparently, my get a valentine from the boy redeem is still active. I'll work on that. I'll make you a valentine tonight, Jello. Remind me of that later tonight. And I will make you a valentine. Or I will listen to this podcast and be like, fuck, I did not make <laughs> Jello a valentine. It's March 4th! You know, may- maybe I should do a white day thing. Like, have you guys ever heard of the holiday white day? It's basically, dumbass, fuck you! <laughs> but, um, basically, white day is the reverse of Valentine's Day. Happens March 14th, and basically everybody, like... It's where guys give chocolate to girls. Now, mind you, you know, usually that's how it's always done across this, uh, across the water and all that. But in Japan, on Valentine's Day, girls give chocolate to guys. And on White Day, it's customary for the guys to give back chocolate. So, go out, they make it, so on and so forth. Also, it kind of, I guess it kind of works either way. Where Basically, if you receive chocolate on Valentine's Day... You have to give chocolate on White Day. So maybe I'll do something like that on stream. I don't know. I have to look up when White Day is. But anyway. <laughs> I will definitely turn that off. I could have sworn I turned that off like a long ass time ago. And I'm surprised that it's still a thing. I'm a little disappointed in myself for that. L, shut the fuck up. Though if I remember correctly, you were the only one that got a Valentine from me this year. Except from the Fox Wife. But, anyway, I'm here to talk cybersecurity. I'm here to talk to y'all about the things you can do to recognize phishing attacks, what phishing really is, why does it sound like the sport, and social engineering attacks, what's the difference between them. Uh, I'll teach you a little bit about passwords and some of the best practices with them. And, if any of y'all are interested, we don't have to go into it because this is more of the professional side of Phantasma Plumes where I put shit on my LinkedIn and pray to God nobody <laughs> looks at it. But, uh, no, we'll talk about, you know, the potential cost of a data breach to your business. Which, granted, to most of y'all, that's not a big deal. But there is a whole science of getting into how much something can cost for that. And, of course... But I really want to open the floor up to, like, any questions you guys have about it. Because I know cybersecurity, in general, is a very complicated subject. But it doesn't have to be. And, you know, the biggest takeaway that I can give anybody 
before we even get into anything about cybersecurity, before we even talk passwords or anything else, is you are the key point to the entire cybersecurity equation. And what I mean by that is we as system admins, which by the way, side bit, uh, I am officially promoted. I've gotten my raise. I am officially a system administrator for the company. I will be able to change my email signature as of Monday. And I'm ready for that. Because <laughs> right now it just says IT administrator. And yes, that is true, but not the same. Anyway, you are, at the end of the day, the single most important part of cybersecurity because us as system admins, we can do everything and anything under the sun to build out our secure networks, put in, you know, multi-factor authentication, put in firewalls, you know, build email servers that completely restrict certain types of emails, everything and anything else. But the problem is, is that because we have openings for you guys to be able to do your work, which granted, that's the whole point of cybersecurity, is making security so seamlessly interwoven with your company, your at, like your computer, so on and so forth. The problem is, is that because we have openings for you to do what you need to do, we can't always protect y'all. There are going to be ways that people can get into the company and can really mess things up. And a lot of the ways that they can do that... Also, I apologize again. If you are hearing any of this, I have a dog in the observatorium with me. But she's a very sweet girl. I love her. But anyway... She's laying down. She's looking at me like, bro, I want to play. <laughs> I'm sorry, Penny. But anyway, because we have to leave things open for you to do your job, people will find ways to get into that and use that to break their way into the system. The most common way is known as phishing and social engineering attacks. Now, phishing is kind of exactly what, how it sounds. It's not, it's not exactly the sport where essentially you cast a hook and a line out to see what you can get, but it's spelled P-H-I-S-I-N-G, which replaces the fish element and kind of puts in the people element. What that means is, is basically these people will set mass send out emails. They'll buy email listings. Like, basically, if you sign up to a website or you're on a certain website, and you get a cookie from a website, which cookies are basically trackers from websites to help curate your ad listings, the things that are relevant to you, so on and so forth. But basically, if a website gets your email, and packages it, and sends it off to somebody else, which, mind you, your ISP does that, your internet service provider, certain websites do that, like Facebook, and Twitter to some degree, too. And basically, when... They sell off that information, somebody buys it, they put it into a mass sending list and say, okay, I'm going to send this bullshit email to all these addresses. That's why you can sometimes see the same bullshit, you know, phishing email to both your personal account and your work account. Now, in most phishing attempts, they try and get you to click on a link. They will say, let's, you know, let's run through an example real quick. All right, in a phishing attack... What they will do is they'll say, let's use Jello. Let's use Jello. Hi, Jello. My name is Seth with so and so bank, uh, which is usually your bank. 
and I'll say something along the lines of, you know, your password is about to expire. It expires in seven days, actually. We recently just rolled out a new cybersecurity policy, and we need you to change this, you know, by midnight tonight. We've tried to email you about this in the past, and you have not responded. If you do not change your password tonight by this time, you will not only lose access to your email account or your uh, bank account, but you will also lose, you know, $500 as an inconvenience fee. So please, call us at this number or reply to this email with your new password and we will, you know, drop the charge and you'll be good to go. In fact, your boy actually received one of these emails not too too long ago. And if I have my phone on me, I do. Let me read to y'all what that email said. Because really, it blows my mind that these emails just kind of get sent out in mass. Let's see here. Get a laugh at the spam email. Here we go. So I got one that was from Attention Darren Sheldon from payments.flashdrs at gmail.com. That's your first warning sign. From Flash Debt Removal Service, P.O. Box 1079, Los Angeles, California, 90095. Flash DRS is an affiliate partner of third-party debt collectors. Uh, we are trying to collect the debt you owe to U.S. Cash Advance. We shall use any information you gave them to collect this debt. The system information shows you have an unpaid loan with one of the companies owned by U.S. Cash Advance. They give you a bullshit docket number and a docket rim. As of... June 24, 2018, you owed $500. You were charged this amount in interest, $300. You were charged by fee or you were charged fees and penalties, $188. Total amount of the debt now, $988. How can you dispute this debt? Now mind you, the entire time when I'm reading this to you, there's capitalization errors, there's punctuation errors, but let's keep going. Call or write us an email by today. To dispute all or part of the debt. If you do not, we will assume that our information is correct. If you write to us with proof of payment and full receipt of this debt, or confirmation if you had char- or discharged it with bankruptcy, we must stop the collection immediately. What else can you do? Learn more about your rights under the law. For instance, you have the right to stop or limit how we contact you. Contact us about your re- or your payment options. Review state law disclosures on the reverse side if applicable. Contact us for the debt negotiation offer. Exclamation point. This is important. The law limits how long you can be sued for a debt. This is my favorite part of this. If you do nothing or talk to us about this debt, we will not sue to collect it. This is because the debt is too old. <laughs> But if you make payment or acknowledge in writing you want to negotiate this debt, we can surely help you rectify this outside of court. Here is our debt negotiation offer to you. If you can pay $297, which is 70% debt reduction, we will consider your account as paid in full, and this debt will be removed permanently from all the major credit bureaus. Payment accepted, credit and debit card, online secure payment, in quotes. For instant response, please choose Reply All. Now, you know what's funny about this email? If you hit Reply All, you get a nice little email, or you get another group that's being CC'd. It is payments.flashdrs 
at gmail.com. The email that I originally sent me was atty.darrensheldon at outlook.com. Now, mind you, this is just one of many different scam emails you can get. And the funny part about all this is they never once mention me by name. They just say, hey, random person that got this email. Also, they never sent it to me directly, which is another fun thing. All right, so let me review that with you real quick. All right, so in emails, there's the there's four headers. All right, there's the from header, which is which is where the email is from. There's the sent to header, which is where the email is going to. There's the carbon copy, the CC, which is I want you to see this email even though it's not going to you. And then there's the blind carbon copy, BCC. What that does is it carbon copies the email to you, but it doesn't put your email address in there. So what that means is people will send these mass amounts of emails using BCC. So that way you can't tell that it was sent to 100 plus people. And to be fair, it's not going to show you that sent to 100 plus people, even if you go through and analyze the headers using a tool like MX Toolbox. The reason people do this is because they don't expect people to go and check the headers. They don't expect people to go see, hey, who sent me this email? Or why, like, who was it sent to? They just see, oh fuck, this is a high priority email. And I apparently have a debt that's due from 2018. Now, mind you, mind you, I have credit monitoring on my accounts because I pay a significant fund or significant amount to do tax identity shielding from a company. I also get it from another company. So I have two uh, places that would tell me if somebody went out and got something in my name. I even did, because I'm not going to lie, whenever it comes directly to me, I kind of scoff at it, but just to double check, because I am kind of the one, like, I am one of those guys that'll be like, oh shit, did I do something like that? Like, I think back 2018, I was graduating college, maybe I went out and got something, but not from California. Anyway, I went through, made sure I had nothing like that, I sent it to my boss for a laugh. But this is a great example of what you can go through. And it's a real example. And the problem is, is if you call that number. Also, by the way, there is no phone number to call. But if you get in contact with these people, what they'll do is they'll lead you through an ex- like a bullshit explanation of how you somehow owe them money. Don't argue with them. Because if you argue with them, they get angry. But the problem about all this is you absolutely are not their target. In fact, there are spelling errors, there's punctuation errors. There are things interlaced in that email that any smart person would know and pick up on. In fact, it has been proven that almost all phishing emails, all social engineering emails are put with bullshit text things. Things that would make the average person go like, what the fuck is this? More than just the regular typos, because 
if you go through all those typos and you don't realize what the fuck is going on, they're going to think, oh, fuck. This person's actually calling us. This person's actually emailing us. We're in the money. And then they'll waste upwards towards 20 plus hours with you. Threatening you. Calling you. Just wasting their time. Just to get a little bit of your money. And a lot of the time too, they will come back and be like, Oh, actually, uh, that $300 offer expired. But hey, we could do a 50% off for you know $400. Just all based on how you react to things. Now mind you... That isn't the only kind of phishing attempt. There's a lot more complicated shit. You know, there's a bunch of attempts where, say for example, you get one from McAfee. Or you get one from a known cybersecurity provider that's like, hey, uh, we just charge your account $1,000 for, you know, another year of McAfee. Or another year of, I don't know, Kaspersky. And it's charged like $1,000. If this wasn't done correctly, call this number. And again, they will take your information. Because a lot of it isn't just, let's get $300 off of him. No, let's get $300 and his banking information and his password into the banking information. Because they're going to send you a bullshit encryption. Like a bullshit website to say, oh yeah, no, put in your information here. Oh, that doesn't work? Go to our base website. And then go through and talk about, you know, and then put in all your login information. Show us how much money you have. And then be like, oh, here's your routing information. Here's your account information. And that's how they steal all your fucking money. Dude, it's stupid. It's wild. And it happens every single day to old people that don't know any better. And that's why I fully respect people like Kip Boga on YouTube, who their entire like streaming thing, their entire audience, their entire everything is them fucking with trolls, fucking with thieves, fucking with people that would otherwise be stealing money from people. Now, Kip Boga, I'm, I'm I will be so, so incredibly honored to be able to sit in the same room as this guy. And I'd love to talk to him about what he does. Because his whole shtick is he goes, he talks to these people that send out these emails. And then they will basically be like, oh, well, let let me connect to your computer. Your computer's, you know, infected with malware. Your computer's this, your computer's that. But this Microsoft help group can get you going. And it's somebody out in some third world country or anywhere else that just has a internet connection that's working out of a call center just stealing money from people and what he does is he gets as much information as he can from these people and will go to the providers of these services that they're using like AnyDesk if you're not aware of AnyDesk AnyDesk is a product that will allow you to remotely connect to a PC it's a protocol known as RDP or it might be RDC. I'm not sure which one's more correct in this instance. Because they're both correct. It's remote desktoping. Or desktoping. Desktop? Desktoping. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, but basically, what they do is they install AnyDesk on your computer. AnyDesk runs as a quiet install on your machine. 
and it allows them to jump onto your machine even after you have closed the active session with them. It's fucking wild, ain't it? And what they'll do is they'll run reports on your machine, monitor it, maintain a connection upwards towards 200 computers at a single time that they can jump onto at any given time and be like, hey, oh, this person tends to go to sleep, like they leave their computer on, but they there's no activity on it for eight hours, Monday through Friday, at 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. That's when I'm going to go in and steal any information I can off your computer and sell it off. Or I'm just going to steal shit straight from you. And before they can do anything, I'm going to delete any desk off their machine. You know, I'm going to be up front with y'all. I've been involved in an instance where any desk was used to get onto a computer because somebody was trying to make a sale. And they were stupid about it. It sent off so many alarms when I heard the word any desk used. Because it's free. Or it's cheap. And anybody can use it. Anybody can do this. Hell, I could do it on my own machine, send out a spam campaign, and make fucking buku money just by scamming old people. And the funny part is, is they probably trust me more because I can actually speak English properly. It's bizarre. It's mind-boggling. It's scary. It's downright scary at the end of the day. And then it, and we haven't even talked about social engineering. But this is the world that we live in. And that's why I am such a big fan of Kip Boga and other people like him, myself included, who go out and train, who tell people, like, hey, this is what happens. If you do this, this is what happens. You know, anytime I get any of these phishing emails or these social engineering type attacks, what I do, and here's something you can do at home if you have a Windows computer is you can add an experimental feature to your computer called Windows Sandbox. What Windows Sandbox is, is it is a virtual machine that sits inside your computer. Now let me back that up a step and explain what virtual machines are. Virtual machines are computers that live completely inside your computer, but don't realize that they aren't their own computer. Think of it as a box inside a box. It can access everything inside that mini box but it doesn't know that the outer box outside of its layers exist. It's a perfect tool to go in and open these emails, open these, you know, spam links, open all this shit to see where it takes you. It's fascinating. You know, when you go to these bullshit email sites, right? And they're like, hey, your password's expiring. You know, come click on this link and go here and put in your new password. It's funny. When you do that, the website will flash and say, Oh, sorry, you can't email or you can't log in right now. Try again later. Or what it'll do is capture that information, your new password, and pass it off and be like, Okay, you logged in. Thank you for that. And that's it. And then when you go to the actual website to try and put in your new password, or put in your old password, whatever it may be. Just, like, enter your old... That's another one that they use. They'll say, hey, if you want to keep your old password, enter it here. And you'll be good to go. 
And what they'll do is they'll actually copy your credentials. They'll store them for one, but then they'll pass it on to the actual website so it logs you in. Because all you're doing is giving your current password and your current email. Why wouldn't it log you in? It just captures it, saves it to a database, and then says, okay, pass this information onward. It's terrifying. This shit is done daily. It's done countless times every single day. And people that... Because let me tell you this, chap. People are still new to computers. We have only lived with computers in our homes for like the past... Fuck, I'll shoot in the dark. 30, 40 years. There are still people who don't know how to type. There's still people that don't understand how to use a computer and actively refuse to use one. It's scary, ain't it? But it's still new. And when you have that mindset of, oh shit, these people that are sitting here, these people that, you know, are making these big business decisions, these people that, you know, have all this money, they didn't grow up with computers like we did. And so they fall for these obvious attempts. Now, let's go back, okay? We were talking about Windows Sandbox. What Windows Sandbox allows you to do is open that email from Grandma that she got that she's scared about and go in and see what it would do. You can then close Windows Sandbox and it will delete every single thing that happened in that instance of Windows Sandbox provided that everything you did was in Windows Sandbox. So you can't like copy a file over from your machine to you know Windows Sandbox because that defeats the entire purpose of it. Windows Sandbox doesn't know your outside machine exists. Why is this file suddenly coming in? It creates an open point for viruses and malware to leak out. So what you can do in that instance is you can email the application or you can email the link or you can do anything else to a bullshit email address. So let's back it up a bit. When I receive an email like that, I open Windows Sandbox and then I go to Google and I say, hi, I'd like to have a temporary email address. Also, Jaleel just called me, whoops. Um, I'll call him sometime later. But anyway, I want to open a temporary email address. And there's websites that you can go on to that, op- like, that will create a temporary mailbox for you. So that way you can forward on that malicious email, that malicious link, without sending it to a, you know, bullshit source in the middle. The nice part about that is, is when you delete that, or when you close that window, that mailbox is deleted too. So you can use this to test, you know, a whole bunch of, like a whole plethora of things without spreading it in your mailbox, in your company's mailbox, so on and so forth. The nice part of this entire thing is when you go through it and you see how it looks, and the cool thing is is you can click around on the websites. They're often just static JPEGs that don't really work for anything. When you click through all that, you learn it. You learn what to look out for. You learn, and like the best part is, is you can type whatever into those passwords and it'll be like, oh, thank you so much. You know, sometimes I like to fuck with these people. And going back to, you know, why I respect people like Kip Boga, who fuck with these people, myself included, because we're trained, we know what to look out for. The more you fuck with them, 
the less they're able to fuck with somebody else. And the less likely they are to successfully steal money from somebody who doesn't know any better. Because when you give out your information, what's stopping them from getting somebody else to do the same to you? Oh, this, you know, password attempt worked? Alright, well, we're going to, you know, send a Microsoft agent to come look at your computer and be like, Hey, we recently found out that your computer was compromised. Uh, We'd just like to do a complimentary sweep. Or complimentary sweep of it. And it's funny. What they'll do is they'll come onto your computer and run command line and run a program in it called Netstat. It's a built-in program that tells you what your computer is currently connected to right now, the IP addresses and all. Because they're connected to your computer, because you have websites open, because you have Outlook and email and all open on your machine and everything else, you're going to find a bunch of things that are being connected out to. And they'll often point to their own addresses and be like, hmm, that's interesting, this is an address all the way out here. We need to do X, Y, and Z to fix your computer. And by the way, we don't accept traditional payment. No, 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 no. We don't do that here. You know what we take our payment as? Google Play cards. Target gift cards. Anything that's not traceable. That's how they make their fucking money. And it's the scummiest shit of the world. And you know, again, that's why I respect people like Kip Boga who will make bullshit accounts. Make bullshit cards and we'll put in the information in front of these hackers before they are able to claim it. So that way the money just gets transferred into the same account, or looks like it does. He's built websites to basically emulate all this. And of course the hackers don't realize it, because they themselves are just thrifting people. It's stupid as hell. And it's great that somebody's out there doing that. And it's great that more people are out there doing it. And I implore you... If you think you have a phishing email, by all means, if you feel comfortable with doing it. Now, mind you, I'm not telling you to click on it. I'm not telling you to email it. I'm not telling you to do anything that you're not comfortable with doing. 99.9% of the time, if you have any doubts about your ability to fuck with these people, because if you piss off the wrong people, they will absolutely tear you up. (sighs) Which will lead me to my story a little bit later. But... If you go through and you see these emails, delete them. Get rid of them. Be done with them. It's fine. Just get rid of them. Now, if you like to fuck with people. (laughs) If you like to fuck with people, this is how I did it once. And let me tell you something. All right. This is definitely one of those don't try this at home type things because I definitely set a fucking fire under these guys. So I got a phishing email forwarded to me by one of my users. Mind you, at this point, I have access to the email system. I have access to the filtering systems. Everything that I need to protect my company, I have access to. And I already go through and block everything just for the hell of it. Just to know, like, anytime somebody forwards me something, I make sure that thing is blocked. I make sure they can't get into anything. All that. Well, I decided to show my user, hey, this is what happens when you go into this. Because, again, it's a great learning opportunity to show people, hey, this is what you look for. This is what happens. And watch what happens after I do this. 
So, our fun friend was trying to go through and say that they were our IT company, or our IT support, and saying, hey, we uh, just reset your password. If you want to go back and set your old password to what it was again, by all means, call us. Or click this link and put in your information, and you'll be good to go. So not only did I put in, as their password, fuck off, hackers, and then do it again and again, like four different times on all the email addresses that they had sent from, in each one, I'm not going to lie, I got more aggressively pissed with it, because I was just having fun. I'm like, eat my ass, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fuck off, so, so long and so forth. This really pissed them off. Because they then proceeded to send every single email address in the company five different emails trying to get through our filter to one person because they thought they hit the jackpot at first and then they realized what it was. So not only did I get a bunch of emails coming in that were blocked that nobody ever saw but me and the guy I sent it to, but... They absolutely came through, and they're like, click on this link, give us your money, you've been compromised, oh god, it was funny as fuck, but I go on to the Windows logs, they really thought, they really thought that was the password, because I see a bunch of failed attempts, and I'm just like, that's great, that's amazing. Thankfully, the account that I put in there didn't exist, so it didn't break anything. But I was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. It's fascinating to fuck with these people. And I love doing it. And I, again, I'm not telling you to do it until you feel comfortable about it. But at the same time, you know, have fun. So, with all that explained, now that we understand what phishing is, let's take it a step further and talk about social engineering. Now, social social engineering attacks aren't as prevalent because they require a little more work. They are still common by, you know, hacking attempts go, but they are much more personal. And in that, I mean, they find out, for example, let's, let's use me again, okay? They'll find out that, hey, I'm system admin. I work at so-and-so company. They find my LinkedIn account is what it is. They find what addresses are associated with it. And then they proceed to go into those email addresses. Or they proceed to send me an email from one of their email addresses and say, Hey, uh, I'm CEO. And uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of a meeting right now. Can you call me? Or can you text me? Are you free? If you respond to that, and usually they'll spoof the email address, which means... They will make their email appear as though they are coming from a legitimate source, when in actuality it's coming from at gmail.com. I, I shit you not, some of these like email addresses I've seen is just like B1C789G93 at gmail.com. It's just gook because it's a bullshit email address, but they spoof your actual person's email address so it'll come to you and say hey this is from ceo but when you actually click on it it says ceo's email address and then in parentheses at (laughs) gmail.com from there if you respond to it they'll be like great i need this many uh you know account or i need this many gift cards like go get a 50 dollar gift card we're doing a party for so and so 
or, you know, we're celebrating so-and-so's retirement because they saw somebody on LinkedIn post something about that. Uh, go get a $500 gift card. Or, hey, I'm out of money, and I need to be wired this amount of money. Here's my wiring information. Or I'm trying to make a deal with this company, and they need to be paid this amount of information. Please go ahead and wire this much money. You know, I, thankfully, have never worked for a company like that. But I have had friends who have told me horror stories that $5,000, $10,000, $100,000, $500,000, a million bucks, all of it, gone. Because one person receives that email, doesn't do the due diligence to call the CEO, call anybody else to be like, hey, where's the CEO at today? Anything like that. They're just like, oh, this is from the CEO. Well, that's important. I don't want to disrespect boss man. And then they send the inf- or the money off. I can't tell you how many times that has happened. And the problem is, and the, we talked about it before in the past, we as IT guys, as system admins, as, you know, just anybody in software, in security, we do our damnedest. To make sure that you can do your job, but we protect you while you do your job. The problem is, is that because we leave certain aspects of your job available to you, because you need it to do your job, malicious actors will take advantage of that and send shit your way that you, yourself, shouldn't be responding to. You know, I had a fascinating meeting. Like, I hosted our cybersecurity segment this past couple of months. Like, I think in December, I had a, you know, meeting about it where it's like, okay, this is why we're doing multi-factor authentication. Here's the reasons why behind it. And, you know, here's how it's going to work. And here's what you do if you get these kinds of things. And I told everybody, I'm like, look, this shit can cost companies upwards to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Up towards the millions and billions Not because of what is being stolen from you, but also because of how long it takes to get your business back up and going. Now, earlier in the show, I told you there's a science to how you can figure out how much a data breach could cost your business. And there is. It's called a risk-cost assessment. I have performed, in my lifetime, five. And I love doing them. You know why? Because not only do I get a nitty-gritty of what... Anything can happen to the company, but it also gives me enough like power to sit in the C-class, which, if you're not aware of, that's the CEO, that's the CFO, that's the CIO, that's the CSO, so on and so forth. It gets me the power to sit in these environments with these people and be like, hey, if we don't do X, Y, and Z, this can cost us X, like A, B, and C. From negligence, from customer information lost and lawsuits that come from it. Like, that's the thing. When you think data breaches, you just think how much money these people are ransoming your data for. And a lot of attempts, like when ransomware, which is exactly ransoming your data, is installed on your machine, they will send or they'll put a nice little sign on there that says, hey, if you want your information back, and, you know, the most prevalent case that I can think of that was done with ransomware was the uh, Keystone Pipeline. I think that was like two years ago, where all of a sudden 
because of somebody giving out their password information, somebody was able to get in, implant a ransomware, and let that shit run loose. That cost the company. Now, mind you, they wanted like 18 Bitcoin to free up their data. They would give them the unlock key and be done with it. I think in the end, they ended up having to pay it. And then so on and so forth. They were able to recover it later on down the line because they found out who it was. But I kind of fell out of that story after I found out that it was a fucking faulty password on an old like server that was not protected because, again, the fascinating part of business, especially if you go into IT as your career, but the fascinating part of business is there's oftentimes an old, old, old machine running Windows 98, Windows 3, Terminal, that are programs that were built by somebody who was part of the founders, part of the original group, so on and so forth, that does this specific thing and has been Frankensteined across the company's lifetime to stay around because it's just so damn good and they can't find an alternative. We had that at one of my old jobs for time clock or time clock keeping. And that one that one isn't as bad. You know, if that one were to pop, it's whatever. But they also had another one that was for the oil system. The oil system had been sitting on like a Windows 97 machine and we upgraded it to Windows 7. That was like one of my first big IT jobs. But anyway, these old ass machines get compromised because they're not properly protected. They're not properly sanctioned off from the rest of the network by VLANs or anything else, firewalls, just really limiting everything down to what that computer needs to do because everybody says, oh, it's an old-ass box. Nobody's going to fuck with that. Well, turns out that old-ass box was what was charging people for gas. So when you pumped gas, it understood, or when you sold gas, rather, it understood how much to charge people. And that got compromised. And because the company could not sell gas, they said, oops, there's no gas. Oopsies. They lied. They fucking lied about that. Fun fact. And because they couldn't sell it. They couldn't figure out how to charge it because the machine that does that for them got compromised. Fascinating shit. Now, that cost them... Over, I think, $40 billion to get that all fixed. And that's not just in the ransom. No, that is in lost time. That is in repair cost. That is in new machines. That's a new infrastructure. Because when you get popped like that, you have to go through and pass a, like, a, cert- like, a certain level of certification to make sure this shit don't happen again. If they are worth, like, if the person that did the analysis is worth their money, they will not let you open your doors until they say, okay, you have shown us that you are not, you know, this can't happen again. Or it's close to impossible of this happening again. Holy shit. Now, let's say that happens to, you know, a big company and your data gets leaked. There's the customer element of it. Where your perceived or your perceived value of your brand is greatly diminished because all of a sudden somebody out there 
gave out your information and now you have to go through and take care of a bunch of shit. There was a tax firm that that happened to not too, too long ago. I can't remember which group it was, but it was one of the big tax names and social security numbers were leaked. Hell, Sony was cracked a couple of times. Credit card information, anything on the PlayStation Network was leaked. All this to say, this shit costs a lot of fucking money. And we, as cybersecurity professionals, rely on you, our end users, to make the smart decisions to, you know, not click on this shit. To not give your passwords out. Because, yes, while we can train systems to do everything and anything under the sun to protect you, it should never come to that. It should never come to a... You know, oh, I got an alert from our AV system saying that somebody's been popped. All right, here's what we have to do. Yes, we plan this, but we never want to see this. I can tell you with a certainty myself, I have gone through and I have rebuilt my entire company's cybersecurity posture. And I'm incredibly proud of what it is. But I guarantee you, it's not perfect. I guarantee you, with the right people clicking on the wrong things... I'm going to be hurting. I could bring it back. I can assure you that. I will bring that bitch back. Decommission everything that you put on there. Bring that bitch back within a day. I've done a whole Roth... I almost did Roth IRA. (laughs) I've done a whole risk cost analysis. To say, okay, in the event that we get popped majorly again, then here's how much it would cost. Here's what we need to do. And in the event of this, we rebuild certain things from scratch. And my boss is behind that. My boss understands that. My boss agrees to that. And it's fun to me to go through and teach people all this shit. Because at the end of the day, it's not your job to go through and understand these principles of which I'm spouting to you. By no means do I expect any of my users to remember half the shit I tell them. You know what? Hell, this past week alone, I've sent emails out about how to take care of certain things. Like, hey, is the VPN pinging you too much because you accidentally disconnected? Here's a check mark that you can kick off. Oh, hey, you're trying to get onto the secure network? Here's how you do it. Oh, hey, I was trying to get onto the secure network and I can't. Go fucking figure. It's not y'all's job to know everything. It's mine. And while I can try my best to know everything and keep myself abreast, like, I am proud to say that I spend my Fridays, a good chunk of them at least, going through and reviewing cybersecurity news of the world for that week. Because... I don't have the ability to spend an hour every day reading cybersecurity things. Not every day, at least. I don't have the ability to, you know, keep up with a bunch of different things that are going on all over the world. Like, every Patch Tuesday, the Friday before I start patching things, I go through and I read patch notes, and I see what vulnerabilities were out there, and I see what's taken off. So that way, when all of a sudden I see in the news, oh, hey, big event, big, you know, uh fucking vulnerability discovered well i'm patched for that i'm okay with that i've recently put in this look i ain't saying that everybody everywhere can be a cybersecurity guy 
And I don't think everybody everywhere should be a cybersecurity guy. But I do believe that everybody should have the awareness needed to survive in a IT environment. Because, again, it is ultimately up to you to protect your company. We can do everything under the sun to best protect us. In the event that you accidentally click something, we can try we can hemorrhage the damage and we can repair it and we can keep going. But it is in the shortest way possible is ultimately up to you to make sure not to click on these things because there's not always going to be a cybersecurity guy. There's not always going to be a me waiting to, you know, raise the red flag and be like, "Hey, uh real quick, you you've you've clicked on something that you shouldn't have. You've given out your password, and our systems are telling us all this because if this is on your home machine, you don't have a Seth there to answer these questions for you. Now, mind you, I have a entire email open to y'all that if you want to send cybersecurity questions to, if you want to ask psychology questions to, you want to just talk, fucking send that shit to plumescast at gmail dot com. I'm here for that. I'm a I want to be a resource for that. And I'm proud to say that I want to share my knowledge with you. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. That's why I'm doing, well, at least this this episode of it. But I want y'all to know that if you ever need help, I have consultation in my LinkedIn. (laughs) I do consulting work. I do, you know, quick searches to find out what what happened. I can do a deep dive on something and find out, like, digital forensics, and figure out where you got popped, what all they touched, so on and so forth, if I'm given the right views, and given the ability to use the right tools. And I'm proud of that shit. But, anyway, I can keep going on about cybersecurity all day. If you want another cybersecurity podcast, by all means, let me know. But, I do have to start ending things off on the podcast side of things, because it's war thunder time, baby. But... I do want to say, all right, I want to go into one more thing with y'all, and that's some password best practices. All right, so before I end things off, as far as podcasts go, let me teach you a great way to make passwords. This is something that I taught myself that has kind of come off from other professors who taught me their password policies and everything else. Now, generally speaking, when you have to create passwords for a company or new accounts, you're generally given 8 to 16, 8 to 24, whatever. The base is usually eight pa- or eight characters and a symbol and a number. What I do is I have created a root password. And what that means is it's the same password that I use everywhere else. Except I have a convention attached to it. So when I say I use root password... I have a follow-up on it that says what that password's being used for at which location. So I have root password, exclamation point, checking for, you know, one of my bank accounts. Or root password, underscore, money. Or root password, underscore, you know, I don't know, freeloading. I come up, basically the whole point of it is I come up with my root password, that stays the same, and I modify it. 
if I need to change it every so often, I put I prepend it with something else. So sometimes I do 2022 quarter four or 2022 Q4 root password at location. Or I swap it around. The thing is, is you have to make, because everybody's like, oh, remembering passwords is hard. I don't want to remember a new password every 90 days. Fucking, there are easy ways to change it that make it so much harder for somebody to get into your account. By putting an underscore or any other special character, it makes it so much harder. There's actually calculations you can go do where you can test how long it would take for somebody to crack your password if they're using a password cracker. I am proud to say that my passwords will take longer than we have been on this earth to come up with because I have changed those things to be fucking difficult. It has conventions that only I understand. And that's the thing. Come up with things that you understand that you will remember and append it or prepend it based off of where you're at, what you're doing. Hey, if you're on a banking site, maybe you just add a dollar sign to your account name or your password. So that way you know, okay, this is for bank. Underscore dollar sign. Or if you're on YouTube, maybe you put something similar to YouTube that you'll remember. Like videos. There are so many different ways you can do this. And genuinely, when you can sit down and contextualize it and figure out what your best way of doing it is, you are going to fucking succeed in cybersecurity. Because you can build out a long-ass password. It doesn't have to be complicated. Make a sentence. That was another thing I was taught, too. Was write a sentence. But put, you know, underscores instead of spaces. You know, or put exclamation points instead of spaces. Make it something that you can remember that's long, and it has some complications that you can understand. I had some professors that had entire, like, 10-plus-word sentences as their passwords. And to them, it's easy. The dog jumps across, or the big brown dog jumps over the lazy fox. But every time there was an O, it's a zero. Every time it was an I, there's an exclamation point. So on and so forth. They use that password everywhere, so it became memory for them to type it in. But, because it was so complicated, that it would just basically never be compromised. That's what, that's your homework for today, chat. Figure out what your password convention could be. What kind of things make sense to you, and run with it. Then, you will do so great, as far as cybersecurity goes. And you know what, even your bosses and all would be impressed that your password's that long. They'll be like, they might give you some shit. Like, every time I gotta type one of my passwords in front of one of my bosses, they're like, what the fuck? Why is it so long? I'm like, boss, I have a fucking typing speed of 120 words per minute. I'm very proud about that. But, I have 100 typing, or 120 words per minute. I can crank that shit out in like five seconds. And I guarantee you, if somebody tried to do that, it'd take them a while. And if somebody's sitting at my computer trying to get into that, I will hear it and I will come running and I will bash them upside the head with a keyboard. I have said that. 
Oh, shit. All right. Well, that is a good way to <laughs> end off podcast. But seriously, now that I've imbued you with information, if you have any questions about the stuff we've covered today, I will gladly give you every way to reach out to me. If you guys want me to do another cybersecurity podcast and you want other topics talked about, absolutely let me know. I am proud to do this shit. I have so much fun telling you about all this. And I'm glad that I can teach y'all. Because I want you to be secure in whatever you do. And I want you to go out and share this podcast with everybody. So that way they can learn it. Or teach them yourself and be like, oh yeah, no, I learned this off the uh, Plumescast podcast. You know, just so your boy gets a little bit of credit. (laughs) But anyway, guys, seriously... Thank you all so much for listening in. And remember, you can find me in the night skies across different platforms. If you got Phantasma Plumes on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube, you can listen to Plumescast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and soon to be YouTube. I actually may have that shit ready to go tomorrow. But And you can email the show directly by sending it to plumescast at gmail.com. That email again, ooh, excuse me. That email again is plumescast, B-L-U-M-E-S, C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Guys, thank you all so much for listening in. And as always, I'll talk to you again from the stars very soon. Until next time, everyone, stay safe, make some new passwords, and send me all the questions you want me to talk about. And until next time, everyone, bye-bye.